Hi everyone, my name is Bauer, B-A-R, like a bar, wearing a drink. This is Let's Talk Creators. It's my very first podcast, and the goal is to make sure that you all don't feel so alone. I'm a creator myself, and I know that sometimes I look at other creators, and I'm so jealous because they seem so successful and so big and so perfect, which can be very discouraging. And then when you talk to them, you actually realize that it's not the way it is. They are human with feelings and struggles just like everyone else and that makes me feel better about myself and so i wanted to give back to our beautiful creative community and start hosting a podcast with creators from around the world that will tell you their stories so you can understand and know for a fact that you are a nerd today is my very first time recording so forgive me i'm in the closet and I have Esther with me, who I met through Creators Pictures. Hi, Esther. Uh, hi, Paolo. Thank you so much for being here. Sorry, my dog's making a lot of noise. <laughs> That's good. That's a good thing. I actually, my dog walker just picked mine, picked both of them. We have two big dogs. <gasps> We're keeping it real. If we have noise, that's because we're alive and, you know, we live in houses with living things around us. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining me, not us, but, you know, you never know. So let's jump into it. Tell me about you. I came into um, a Twitter space almost towards the end of the Twitter space and you were talking about wanting to start a podcast and... um yeah, I, I, I'd love to share that, you know, to talk about the, the creator journey because it's, it's, sort of, it's such a ride, isn't it, being a creator of any sort. And whether it's podcasts or writing or whatever it is that you're creating, that feeling of being like you're on your own is so, um, it's so pervasive. And it's so easy to look at other people who are seemingly further ahead down the road than, than we are and to look at them and think, well, they're there and I'm here and the gap between us is too huge and I can't approach it. But, you know, everyone started somewhere. And when I started my creator journey, it's strange to even talk about it like that, really. But that's what I've been on, I realize now. I, I, I always use writing in the past as a way of just processing my feelings um and the most significant time that that happened was when I started training as a yoga teacher several years ago after I had a breakdown and I turned to yoga to help with that and I decided to train to be a yoga teacher and part of what I had to do was lots of writing lots of essay writing and lots of very reflective writing and I went very deep in my um, reflective writing. And I essentially, I, I saw later, I essentially was giving myself therapy through my writing. I was analyzing and allowing the emotions and the feelings and the experiences that I kept from myself for, how old was I, 40. So I was, I was 41 when I was doing this. So for like 30 odd years, I've been keeping all this stuff away from my conscious mind. And I started allowing it to come out through my writing. And it became incredibly healing. And I essentially wrote my way to giving up drinking 
and smoking after 20 years of addiction. Uh, and I, I mean, there were other things that I was doing through the yoga, but I think the biggest thing that helped me was writing. And so I started to see that writing could be incredibly powerful on a personal level. And then I started to share what I'd written and it was very slowly at first and I started putting out some things about my mental health and about my recovery and started getting really positive feedback from people. Some negative feedback. I have yeah, some people who disliked me writing about addiction and my relationship with alcohol. And, and I suspect that it, those are the people that it might have triggered something in themselves that they didn't want to face. Um, but um, most of the feedback I got was really positive. And I had a lot of people would get in touch with me and, and thank me and, you know, say that, that what I'd written had given them real pause and that they were reevaluating their own life and it seemed to be really cathartic for people. And I was finding that the more I was putting out into the world, the better I felt about myself. I've talked about taking off a cloak of shame. It's as if every, every blog post, every uh, podcast I did, everything I put out into the world that talked about some aspect of my pain and my healing helped me to heal a little bit more and was taking away the shame that I'd lived with for so long. By making it public, I was taking away that power that that shame had over me. And so I, I mean, there's a lot you see on Twitter, people talking about learning in public and building in public. And I think I recovered in public. I've been on a real journey over the last seven years. And I, I mean, I'm not doing quite so much personal bearers of my soul online anymore. Although if you look at my current Twitter feed, you'll see that I've been doing exactly that last month. <laughs> I did a, a, about a 30 day series talking about recovery and the build up to my seven year recovery anniversary. Yes. But this idea of recovering in public, I think is, is a really important one because in mental health, mental ill health is still very stigmatized and it's still something that people feel very uncomfortable to talk about. And that stigma and that keeping it in the shadows just makes the problems worse. So you know, if, if you have an addiction or something like I was diagnosed with ADHD and I've been very vocal about ADHD in recent years as well. Yeah. But if you're told that you should keep that to yourself and that you shouldn't talk about it and you shouldn't, you know, you, you, it's, it's wrong to bring it out into the public, into the public, then that just makes it worse. You know, those, uh, I was thinking about you know, gremlins, the film, the movie, those gremlins are killed by the sunlight and it's exactly the same for our gremlins. You know, you bring them out into the light and they lose their power. And the minute you start sharing and you share in the right spaces, you know, obviously to keep yourself safe, but not hiding away from your vulnerability. And the more that I know, as I was sharing all this stuff, I was finding people who were saying, yeah, I've been through that as well. So I was finding my people, people who would understand me, people who would accept me for the way I am. And. It all led me to a place of much more self-acceptance 
I like myself more and I've come to like myself more in the last five years than I did throughout the rest of my life. I think that's it. That, that comes with getting older as well. I'm getting close to 50 now. By the time you get to my age, you're pretty much resigned to who you are. I, I wish that my younger self could have liked this album yeah. or yeah, I agree. That would be, I love what you said about self-love. I think it's for me, I, I think it relates a lot to what I've been going through in the past couple of years because I've been sober myself. I had a, a drinking tendency when I was very young. So my sober life looks a little bit different than other mm-hmm. people that I know because being so young gave me the opportunity to learn more self-control. I guess uh, so variety is a little bit different, which sometimes I'm very ashamed of. And sometimes it's hard for me to talk about it because I feel like I'm not the classic sober. Mm. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And like, I love, I love what you said about the self-love and self-acceptance and the fact that you're not alone. That's, that's exactly it, right? Because right now I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you and all I can think about is, thank God I'm not alone. I'm not the only one you know, who had hard time accepting herself for most of her life, you know, like it's, it's so comforting to be in that space and be able to say, Hey, like we're all special, but we're all also the same. And that's a good thing. It's that, that part of that creating and, and, and bringing stuff out into the open. And it, it is so powerful that, you know, I might never have found my people where I live yeah. in the community that I live in, but by by being in being part of this community where people are sharing and creating and you know you're coming in touch in contact with so many different people through for example we I mean we we are connected through Twitter spaces you know it just brings you into contact with people that you've never encountered before and I love when when you talk about we connected I didn't know that you were going to tell me that you were also sober you know there was something in what I'd heard you say and that made me think I'd like to connect with this person but I didn't know that we were going to have that commonality and then as soon as we you said about that I just thought how perfect it is that we find you know we would never have found each other any other way yeah yeah exactly like we were saying how, how meant to be this was, like how many you <laughs> came into the space and, and I was just talking about my podcast and like me wanting to to create in a different way and, and you just, you know, went for it. And I love that. It was so funny because it happens so much, especially in our community, in the creators community, that we end up getting to know people from all around the world different cultures and from different backgrounds and I mean my main thing as a career is baking bread I was like well I'm a I'm a COVID sourdough person oh excellent (laughs) a COVID sourdough person you're still making bread yes I also sell bread on the side excellent right at some point people are like let me pay you for this art but anyway I met through creating and through making bread I met on Instagram a woman, her name is Shannon, and she's from Seattle, if I remember correctly. And we just got, you know, became friends through sourdough bread. And the other thing, she sent me a sourdough starter that is 100 years old. Oh, wow. Right? And that this was like a moment where I got it in the mail and I thought to myself, it would have never happened to me if I didn't have this community and I'm so thankful for having that 
you know, and yeah. being able to like actually talk to people from everywhere about anything. Mm-hmm. There's good and bad to anything and social media. It's just, it, it has the potential to be so wonderful. A lot of my favorite people I've never met in person, but they are still my favorite people. You know, it, it's it, the way that social media, the internet has opened the world up to us. You can't deny how powerful that is mm. for creating connection and deeper understanding of each other. You know, like you said, we can, we can get to know people in other cultures, other countries that we would not have the slightest clue about. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we, we can, it can be a force for so many wonderful things as well as all the other Less. <laughs> okay, this is a question that I was struggling with personally. How did you go from writing for yourself to putting it out there to have the courage and you know the, the strength to hit post? So I I wanted to be a writer in various forms for most of my life and I'd always thought that writing isn't something you know like you don't tell your parents you want to be a writer and they say no you want to get a proper job sort of thing <laughs> yeah. um and I never I you know I've written lots over the years but I've never been one of these people constantly writing it was always something that I would find a reason to write and then was that sort of emptying my head of of stuff yeah. Over ten years ago, I started blogging for fun. I have, I, I have, I got a Tumblr site, and there was some of the blogspot. I can't remember, but I, I used some of the blog site, and I would just put rants, and basically, it was like hero worship of musicians and ranting mm-hmm. against politicians, and occasionally stuff about my kids. And that was what I write. And it was just whatever popped into my head in the moment. And nobody really knew about it. I was just doing it for fun. And uh, there's a couple of blog posts that from back in those days that I still like to share from time to time because they're funny and I like reading them. But they were just for fun. But then when I started teaching yoga, I had a website and it had a blog on it, it on WordPress. So I had the blog on there and I started just writing about yoga as uh, a way to try and promote my teaching. But then I wrote this one post about my mental health and I put it on my website. And with that post, I sort of ended up shifting the focus of where I wanted to go with the yoga. I started talking a lot more about stress and about recovery and about the mental health benefits of yoga. And the best way for me to talk about that, because I wasn't a trained mental health professional and I wasn't presenting what I was offering as treatment in any way. But these, so the easiest thing for me to do then was to talk about how yoga had benefited me. And so I started writing about my own experiences as, as a marketing technique in lots of ways you know like I was the, I was this much of a mess if you're not even this much of a mess imagine how much yoga can help you something you know? oh I know what it, it helps <laughs> if it could help me it can definitely help you sort of approach to things yeah. 
But the more I was writing about it for trying to market the yoga, the more I started to realize it was the writing that I was enjoying. I wasn't actually doing very well at marketing a business, but I was really enjoying writing. <laughs> Um, and I would just look at blogging as what I did. And, you know, I was rubbish at running its yoga teaching business. I just wanted to be a writer. And so I would but like. Really, gave you an excuse to write. The yoga gave me an excuse to write. Yeah. But I wasn't actually interested in promoting the business. I wanted to promote my writing and never worked out how to kind of turning that into income, not for a very long time, until I actually moved away from teaching yoga and declared myself as a copywriter. You know, I kind of had to change that identity entirely and start to see myself as a writer rather than a teacher who writes. I think once I did that, I was then able to give myself permission to say, okay, so writing can be my business now. Until that part, writing was my hobby. But I was telling, you know, it was like, I was trying to fool myself into thinking that that was the work of my business, yeah. but it was hobby, really. I think it's such a, an incredible journey to sort of accept yourself and allow yourself to become what you want to be. I've been struggling with that a lot because, you know, I've, I've done the bread as a hobby and I've been a filmmaker and, and all of that. And. Most of those things sometimes can feel like it's a hobby. Like I shouldn't ask for money for this because it's my passion. But actually coming out and saying, hey, I'm a baker. I'm a filmmaker. I'm a creator. This is what I do. Not just who I am as a, as a passionate native, but this is what I do in my life. This is my dream. This is my goal. And through that, allowing yourself to, to also make it into a business and also make it into money. It's a very big hurdle to go through, to go over. I was just, um, the other day on, on, on one of the spaces I was on, someone asked, like, how do you start charging the things that you love doing? And I told him, I told him my story as a baker. And I was like, yeah, in the beginning, I would just give bread to my neighbors constantly. And like, you know, gift it to people because I just love doing it. And then someone asked how much it costs. And I was like, no, I'm not going to charge for something that I love doing and do it for myself. It's like my happy place. I'm not going to charge money for that. And then it was, that was the moment, right? That was the pivot of, of the thought of, of saying, hey, you should charge for this because you're doing it, this professional and the fact that you love it doesn't mean that it's not worth, you know. And then someone hopped into the space and he said that another really great way to see it is if instead of people offering you money, switch the word money or the word respect. All they're paying you is because they respect your craft, they respect your time, they respect you. So if you change that, then someone would, say, would tell you, hey, can I offer you my respect for this, this, you know, loaf of bread, for this work of art, would you say no? That's amazing. Right? Beautifully mind-blowing. 
That's a very good antidote to undercharging as well, isn't it? You know, I want people to respect the fact that I put time and effort and, and love. Yeah. Absolutely. So Tamora, I know you wanted to be a writer, but what was your biggest dream in your life? Apart from writing, you mean? I mean, the biggest fantasy, you know, like I, I always wanted to win an Oscar. Or huh? My biggest dream was always travel, going to live in other countries. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'll be able to do it finally next year. Taking steps towards moving out to the UK now. Anyway, but yes, moving to Portugal. I've never, I've never been to Portugal. <laughs> and I really want to go and live there. Everything I've ever read or heard about Portugal has made me want to go there. Being able to live by the sea, hopefully, and build up a successful business so that I can do the work I love and get to spend lots of time in the sea, hanging out with my son. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. My partner, my wife, gives me crap for not asking people, what, what do you do for a living? I can have really close friends that I have no idea what their work is. Yeah. I never, I, honestly, like really close friends that I know for a very long time, I have no idea what their job is. <laughs> I, I don't feel like that's the thing that defines you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Your dreams and hobbies and passions are, for me, what defines people. And she was, she was vaguely proud of me because we have a very close friend and, and she asked me, like, what does she do? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. She's like, what did she study in uni? And I was like, well, I don't know. She's like, but you've known her for, for 10 years. We're like, yeah, but I don't <laughs> ask because I ask about, you know, your daily struggles and your depression and your happiness and dreams. And now someone told me you should have like a, a cool question to ask on your podcast, something that will make you new. And I was like, that's easy. I always ask people, what's your biggest dream, like your biggest fantasy? It's a fantastic question. I mean, people work nine to fives and shifts and whatever and things that they never actually wanted to do. And what I care about is what, what do you do when you can do whatever you want? Uh, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, what is your biggest dream is, it really gets you thinking as well. Like, I might be actually achieving that next year. So then what? Am I going to give up on my dreams or is there going to be something else that will come once I've achieved that? That's got me pondering now. Is this actually my biggest dream? Is this just the one that I've focused on for so long? I haven't even thought about the rest. You've got me thinking now. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. Because oh. I think also achieving your dream can be quite stressful. Because what do you do when you get to the mountaintop? You know? Yes. Where do you yeah. next? Absolutely. I I had a bit of a panic last week because, I mean, we're, we're a long way from achieving it yet, but I have, after years and years and years and years of talking about wanting to go and move abroad, I had a real like, oh, oh my God, we're going to do it. Oh my God, this is too scary. I don't want to do it. Oh yeah, I, I've had that. Actually, I'm from Israel originally and I moved to Canada four and a half years ago. And I always wanted to move out of Israel because uh, I, I never felt like I belong 
I always had like this, you know, American dream of moving to the U.S. and wherever. And I ended up moving to Canada for financial reasons, which I'm very happy I did because Canada is the best country ever. But I, I remember that, that moment when I was like, oh my God, this is going to happen. My, my lifelong dream. This is scary. Mm. Have a thought of what if it's not what I dreamed of? Yes. You know, in that moment of what do I do if, if I reach there and it's not what I wanted it to be? And I think yes. that's also a very difficult point for, for creative, you know, of being very emotional and very sensitive to things. And then suddenly when you start creating, you realize maybe that's not the way I wanted to do it. I wrote a book a few years ago and... At the time, it was, was definitely what I wanted to write. I'm currently contemplating taking it off Amazon because I'm not sure that it's the book I want anymore. Mm. And I know that if I was, I, I, I've often thought about going back and, and looking at it again. And I know I can't go back and look at it. I can't ever read it because I know that the person I am now would want to change so much of how it's written because I'm a different person now and because I've learned so much more about myself now that I thought I knew when I wrote it that I know that there's lots in there that I would think, yep, that's not actually true. That's not right. We're wrong in what you saw. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's really interesting because being, a, I mean, being a writer, you know, as I say about moving abroad in terms of, being a successful writer has always been the dream, the biggest, the bigger dream. So I think that probably need that's that's one that'll go on until my last breath. I'm sure. But publishing a book was such a moment of wow, I did it. You think that being a published author is going to change your life, and it really didn't. <laughs> and sorry. Later to a company named Pencil. I think you're going to like. Okay. Okay. Cool. They work with writers, with all sorts of writers, and they help you also get the data. For example, if you're publishing a first version of a book and I read it, but I stopped at page 20 because something, you know, didn't click for me, then you would be able to see it as a writer and to collect the data and understand where are the problematic parts of the book. Oh, that's really interesting. And also you have the ability to talk to your readers when they give you feedback, live feedback and everything. So it's, it's a really cool platform, actually. Yeah, that sounds really good. Thank you. I don't look at that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll send you a link. Mm. So I'll post it uh, with, the, with the podcast if any other writers uh, want to check it out. I understand what you're saying about writing because I, my entire life, I also wrote. Like, I think the first story I've ever wrote, I was probably eight and I wrote my first book when I was 11 oh wow yeah and it took me a year and a half to write it and then my it was um 20 years ago almost and then my little sister wanted to uh, put sims the game on the computer and she ended up erasing the entire computer by accident oh okay <laughs> Oh, I will never forget that. But yeah, and then I, I ended up, I didn't rewrite it. Because I was like, no, there's no way I can recreate the magic that I did before. 
I directed and wrote a couple of short films and stuff. So I know how, how you feel <laughs> when oh, no. for a couple of years, you look back and you're like, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> but I think, I think it's also quite beautiful looking back and, and saying, wow, this is the type of person I was. This is the type of person I am today. And everything that happened to me happened for a reason. Because otherwise I would be where I am. And I would create what I did. Absolutely. I, I have looked back at, you know, I look back at old blog posts and thought, oh my God, this is awful. I can't believe I wrote this. And thought it was good. But of course, well, five, six, seven years ago, I knew an awful lot less about writing than I do now. And I knew a lot less about myself. And I think my, the, the self-confidence that you get from creating and from putting stuff out in the world changes how you create. Because, you know, I, I can write with far more confidence in what I'm writing now. And, and in, in more confidence in the way I write and that, that I'm, I'm, I, whatever the words I'm writing, that they are the right words and that maybe, you know, I edit and, and I edit that, which I never used to do as well. <laughs> I think that probably helps. I edit to, to a point. I don't edit an awful lot. If I spend too long editing, things don't get published. You're not going to get that growth in confidence and you're not going to get that growth as a creator without creating the crap. You know, when you, when you baked your first bread, I bet it didn't look a patch on what you create now. No, no, it was. <laughs> no, because we learn, we refine. We also, you... in screenwriting, we always say, write your first draft. It's going to be shit, no matter yes. what it's going to do. It's going to be horrible, but at least you get it out of the way. Yeah. And I think... It's with everything. I, I I recently started a TikTok page. I'm like, dude, I'm flirty. I don't want to start a TikTok page. But, <laughs> but you know, my, my wife told me, like, it would be super cool because I make the videos with the bread and it would be nice. And I said, you know what? I'll just do it. And then it took me a while because I was like, well, what if I post a video and it's shit? Mm -hmm. And... Then it turned into, you know what? I'm going to post a video and it is going to be shit. <laughs> the point of this video. And now I think I'm in my 10th video. It's still shit, but it's getting better. Yeah. It's starting yeah. to the hang of it, you know? And, and I, <laughs> even with this podcast, I've been thinking about let's start creating this for so long. I've been wanting to do it for so long because for the past year and a half, I've got the opportunity to talk to some creators. And that what made me feel like, damn, I'm not alone. How can I help other people understand they're not alone either? So, and then I wanted to do it. And I was like, oh no, it's going to, it's going to not, like, nobody wants to hear me talk. I don't, I don't think anybody wants to hear me talk. I don't think it's, I have enough things to say or, you know, I'm not getting embarrassed myself or whatever. And then I was like, you know what? Well, I wasn't. Samantha did. Samantha is another creator that I know from Twitter through my wife. And she's also going to be a guest here. And she pushed me. She did. Oh, is that Samantha, the imposter syndrome? Yes. They did. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. She's awesome. She's great, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. And she pushed me. I'm here because 
you know, she gave me the push I needed. She was like, you know, yeah. the start, it's going to be shit in the beginning, but it's okay. You know, yeah. it's a great thing. I don't think this episode is shit, by the way. I think we're... But it will get better. I mean, exactly. It will get better as you as as you develop. You're gonna develop as a, as an interviewer, as a host, and and you will get better at directing conversations the way you want to. It will improve, even though I'm really enjoying this, and I hope that anyone listening is also enjoying this conversation. But and this is something that I learned in yoga is. It's okay to accept, you know, you've got to start from a place of this is okay the way it is. This is the way it is. And I'm okay with that. But you can always want to improve as well. We can, you know, self-acceptance isn't I'm perfect just the way I am. And acceptance of what you're creating isn't that perfect and it can't be improved. It's I'm fine with the way it is. And next time I'm going to try and do it a bit better. That's how I understand it anyway, that self-acceptance is essential to be able to grow. You can't grow from a place of feeling like it's all bad. If you are personally in a state of self-loathing, you can't grow until you get to that place of self-acceptance on some level. Because otherwise you're doing it for the wrong reasons. It's like, you know... If, if you, if you want to uh, go on a diet because somebody else tells you that there's something wrong with your body, your weight, as opposed to losing weight because you're taking better care of yourself, you know, so if you're coming from a place of self-acceptance and you're just caring for yourself, it, the motivation behind things makes it more sustainable, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I think it relates a lot to being sober and getting rid of bad habits or mm. habits that are created from a place of stress or uh, yeah. or distress. Yes. And I think that, you know, for me, when I was when I was drinking, it was for that. So I can ignore, not ignore, but I can like quiet down the, the self-hatred that I felt. And quitting had to come from me. Yeah. Totally from me, from me being aware and saying to myself not others saying to me but me saying to me in the mirror hey like this is this is not good for you mm-hmm. you know for me personally it was more of like i'm looking at my little sister and i don't want her to grow up thinking that this is okay and this is how you should be and this is how you deal with your emotions i want her to have like you know a good um role model and understand that there is a healthier way of doing things uh, which she did. She did. She she is an incredible woman today. Ooh, feeling hungry. Here we go. I'm gonna keep that in the recording. I'm not gonna erase that. I'm <laughs> brilliant. People, people that record stuff. You guys should know that it's normal to be hungry, and it's normal if you have growling stomach in your recordings. Yeah. And don't try to make it perfect. Be careful. You. You can turn it into extra value content. Right? I'm going to make this the trailer, the teaser for the <laughs> Yeah. My comic being like, I'm hungry. <laughs> this is one of the things that I love about being a creator is there is nothing that happens in your life that you can't turn into content. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> cool. Like, you know, be, be proud. Be proud of yourself as a creator. You know, just, just, 
go for it and be proud of yourself with the, the, the growling stomach in and with the the dreams that you haven't achieved yet, but you're gonna and and with the content that is shit because you know that next time you're gonna look at it and be like, oh god, how did I dare posting this? Interesting. <laughs> be proud of all of that. You know, it's part of the process and it's a beautiful thing. And yeah, you know, I'm I'm actually very very um, excited now to schedule time with you next year when you live in Pro- Portugal and have another episode of this podcast being like yeah that would be so cool you remember you were my first guest i was sitting in the closet with my yeah. <laughs> and my stomach was growling because i didn't didn't think that i should eat before recording you were like what oh my god that was a good time <laughs> yeah i think definitely yeah. Yeah, and we can celebrate your hugely successful baking and TikTok empire and <laughs> also I love and your podcast is and your new book that I feel yes. you know should be coming soon. Oh, I'd be talking about the the second book. It is the the difficult second album. Yeah, I, I, I how do you how do you do that though? Like after you've done the first, I don't know. I have no idea. My my first book was just the result of a very ADHD decision to write a book. It just it just happened. I didn't overthink it. If I if I'd given as much thought to writing it as I have to my subsequent attempts to write the second book, it never have got written. I just set myself an insanely short goal. I nearly gave myself a nervous breakdown in the creation of it. I don't recommend it as that. As a book writing technique, I don't recommend giving yourself six weeks to write and publish a book. It's not healthy. Mm. But I've not had, I'm, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough going. Um, so, but then I keep starting and like, coming up with like events, and then I get to, I, I got about halfway through a book once and then got a bit stuck. And so I'll take a few weeks off. And that was about two and a half years ago. And I just haven't picked it back up against it. Well, if it makes you feel better, I have a script that I wrote in 2012. And it's it's my favorite ever story that I actually wanted to write. But for some reason, it just does not. It's not like I can't. Honestly, it's so frustrating. So it's okay, you know? Sometimes it's just about timing. Sometimes it's just about being in the right space. I have a practice that I sometimes neglect, but I try to keep it up. I have a six-month diary. So I have a diary that my mom bought me when I just moved to Canada. And every six months, I go and I sit down and I write my goals and my fears, especially my fears and my struggles and being like, what if I'm not good enough? Being super honest, you know, what if I'm not going to succeed? What if I'm not good at this? And all of that. And then six months later, I come back, I read it, and I write, how did I get through it? It gives perspective. Yes, that is a really good idea. And especially as as a creative, because you're constantly feeling this, you know, I'm not good enough or my creation is not good enough. I think that 
putting that into words and then coming back after six months, after a year, after five years, whatever, and saying, oh my God, I did it. I always seem to compare myself to future self that maybe has achieved all these things. And I never look at past me and how far I've actually come. As I forget that I shouldn't compare myself to someone who doesn't exist yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's really powerful because like when you intentionally look at the change and the growth that you've gone through and the fact that you did overcome the fears and hurdles and the challenges that <laughs> you have made things happen. It's like where the difference, isn't it, between looking at your to-do list and all the things you haven't ticked up and looking at the list of yeah. things you've actually done through the day. Yeah, I love that. Like being able to look at the the progress and not that the lesser of things. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I know I did do one, two, three, but I did do mm. five to ten. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because I achieved something. I woke up this morning and I got out of bed and that's my first achievement of the day. Yes. <laughs> no. Sometimes that's quite things. Uh, sometimes that's hard. <laughs> it, is, it is hard. Today I did not want uh. to get out of bed. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I feel like all that trying to respect the things that you've done and the things that you can do, it's easier said than done. I think there is a place to acknowledge that. Yes, no. I, was, I was feeling like shit. I had a really, really bad three days and I was sitting with a friend and she was like, what's the problem? And I told her, I feel like a failure. You know, and I feel like I'm failing in everything and not good at any, and I'm just, you know, crying and all of that. And that's, that's okay. That's okay to have this feeling. This morning I woke up and I felt excellent and I was excited about this podcast and I was excited about, you know, a bread order that I have for tomorrow. And I was excited about a bunch of, I am excited about a bunch of stuff. And I think that Acknowledging that us creative people, us sober people are more sensitive and that's not a bad thing at all. It's a yeah. magical place that we live in, in our own special moorings. But being able to acknowledge that is important too. And I just wanted to, to say so myself, to be able to, you know, share and if anyone listening feels the same then they know that they're not alone mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, it's that's that's also true and it is it, it's always wonderful when you connect and find people that make you not just say you're not alone but but feel it as well like yeah you yeah. feel that connection yeah exactly and you know i i want you to know esther that you're an awesome writer and you're incredible and you've done some really amazing things. And as a fellow sober person, I know how hard it is to be also inside a creative mode and not being able to drink or smoke, mm -hmm. or do all those because it does, it does open you up a little bit and it does help deal with all the emotional struggle that your characters bring and all of that. So I just want to, you know, tell you that. I respect you so much for doing that. Thank you so much. The feeling is definitely mutual. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, it's amazing talking to people, having the opportunity to talk to you as a as a writer, as a creator, and understand where you're coming from. How old is your son, by the way? Uh, I've got uh, my youngest is 11, and then I've got one who's 24. I keep wanting to say he's 25, but he's not yet. And then my eldest is 30. Oh, wow. That's a big gap. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. That, um, I love it. What my mother likes to refer to as my interesting life. <laughs> and I always, I always hear the word interesting in air quotes, you know. Yeah. Dripping with meaning. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love that. I love that. I feel like three wonderful kids that I'm sure I love you very much. I've got two younger brothers. So there was, when I was, there was, there was me and my one brother who was just under two years younger than me. And then my parents had two more children, one when I was 12 and one when I was 14. So the, four, the, one, the youngest one particularly, we, we're, we're really close. He's like one of my best, best friends. Um, but he's, he's so young. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think I think like he, it's it very often these days it feels like he's the grown up in the relationship because oh, he's my mom that she wasn't at Well, I believe that. I believe <laughs> No, but I mean that's awesome. I, I my sister is four years younger than me. And she's my only sister. I have also step siblings from we're a very complicated family. <laughs> very divorced family. But uh. mm, but like sister or blood sister, I have worn and she's, she's uh, turning 20, she turned 25. So she's one year older than your son. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I grew up with uh, very creative parents. Uh, I was lucky to. So, so <laughs> yeah, it's part of the most amazing, you know, thing to have as a kid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So our time is officially up. Thank so you for being my very first guest. It's an honor. It's a real honor. That's admitted. And and I would absolutely keep tabs to check what's going on with the book if you need any creative push. Esther will also um, I will put her links to her socials, to her Twitter and all of that uh, in the description of the um, of the podcast. So you guys can all go and support her and be part of her process. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to get into a ha- into a habit that in the end of spaces and now. When we start the podcast, I would like to ask you to take a second, mm-hmm. you, Esther, and you, the listener, take a second and hear me when I say how much I appreciate you and how amazing you are. And close your eyes and just thank yourself for surviving mm-hmm. and for being here. And for being the amazing person you are, because you are an amazing person. That's beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mister. Thank you so much for being here with me. <laughs>